This is a total bloody disaster. All my knights have fled, and we're lost in a dark and very expensive forest. Well, it could be worse. Well, how could it possibly be worse? Oh, cheer up, sire. You know what they say. What do they say, Patsy? Some things in life are bad. They can really make you mad. Other things just make you swear and curse. When you're chewing on life's grizzle, don't grumble. Give a whistle. And this'll help things turn out for the best. And always look on the bright side of life. Always look on the right side of life. You give it a try. If life seems jolly rotten, there's something you've forgotten. And that's to laugh and smile and dance and sing. When you're feeling in the dumps, don't be silly chumps. Just purse your lips and whistle, that's the thing. And always look on the bright side of life. Hello and welcome to Broadway Radios, this week on Broadway for Sunday, September 17th, 2023. My name is James Marino, and on the broadcast today we have Michael Portantier and Robbie Roselle. Michael is a theater reviewer and essayist. He's the founder and editor of CastAlbumReviews.com. He is also a theatrical photographer whose photos have appeared in the New York Times and other major publications. You can see his photography work at FollowSpotPhoto.com. Hello, Michael. Hello. Hello. So we want to um, let the listeners know that Michael is fostering a new puppy. And so if we do hear puppy noises, it's because the puppy has joined us for our recording this morning. And that's totally fine. It's all her good. Name is, uh, her name is Emery, like the boys in the band. <laughs> ah. <laughs> Which I've never heard is a female name, but there you have it. Oh, is it, it's not a name you gave her. It's a name she came with? Yeah. Yeah, Emery. I, I, I thought uh, one of your previous uh, fosters, you had given them a, a West Side Story name, wasn't it? Or Oh, no, it was Anita, but she also came with that name. She also came with that name. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, they know who they're assigning puppies to. <laughs> That's great. Everything is a theatrical <laughs> reference, isn't it? <laughs> it it all is. It's all, all the world's a stage. And in that stage, there is one, but only one, Robbie Rozell. <laughs> <laughs> Robbie is very tired. That's true. That's his whole bio. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No. Uh, so, Robbie... <laughs> Uh, Robbie, you have been, uh, you know, so involved with Broadway radio for so many years, being a guest on other shows on Broadway radio, but I didn't realize you've never been on This Week on Broadway. Yeah, I'm a longtime listener, first time caller uh, this morning, so I'm thrilled well, to be here. Robbie, I, I mean, I, I can't believe you've never been on This Week on Broadway, and that's totally my fault i'm so sorry i mean don't be sorry my goodness so robbie you know for uh those of you who are uninitiated and i don't know how you can be but robbie's a celebrated entertainment director writer and producer he frequently plays to sold out shows across manhattan and in london in fact you know we talk you had that whole london thing going on you had your uh your show songs from inside my locker it was uh recorded and released 
uh, to much acclaim in 19, uh, 2019 and 2020, you also had a seven month residency at 54 Below. I, we, you were actually associated with 54 Below longer than Michael Feinstein, right? Uh, yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. 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 And, and I want to say contributed more to Feinstein's uh, 54 Below than Feinstein contributed to 54 Below. <laughs> yeah. So. I get to say those things. So as a writer and a director, he frequently writes and directs solo shows for Broadway's leading talents. His regular collaborators include the Vosk. Oh, Jessica yeah. Voss, he culminated with her debut album, Wild and Free, which uh, debuted on four Billboard charts. He also produced and released the album Something Stupid by the Broadway couple Patty Murren and Colin Donnell. I've heard of them. They're, mm-hmm. they're, I've heard of them. They're funny. They are funny. And by day, he's the A&R director of the Grammy award-winning Broadway records. And you can follow Robbie everywhere at Diva Robbie. He's on all of the platforms. So Robbie, I uh, thank you for coming on this week on Broadway and filling uh, Peter Felicia's shoes for this week. Peter is away. He is in Boston at a re, a class reunion or of some sort. He explained it to me and I have forgotten the pertinent details, but it was something about a class reunion. And also my apologies to Peter Felicia trivia fans, because I dropped the ball this week and didn't record trivia with Peter, but we're going to try to fill in because Cheryl Hodges, Selden and Rob, uh, Rob Johnston in our chat room are finding a trivia question out of Peter's uh, book Brain teasers for Broadway geniuses, and so we're going to read one of the uh, one of the trivia questions from the book later to uh, ask y'all. So if you've bought the book, you're in good luck there. So, so first up, Michael got over to York to the York Theater to see the Lieutenant in uh, musicals at Mufti, and so Michael, remind our listeners. Uh, Mufti means jeans, right? Jeans and sneakers, or what does Mufti mean? <laughs> uh, it means uh, street clothes as opposed to street any clothes, kind of yeah. uh, uniform or costumes. Yeah. So and you saw uh, the lieutenant? The lieutenant, yeah, which I was very curious to see. Uh, this is a show that played from March 9th, 1975 to March 16th, 1975. Uh, with music by Gene Curdy, Nitra Scharfman, and Chuck Strand. Uh, lyrics also by all of those people, book by Gene Curdy. Uh, and uh, despite the very short run, the show was nominated for four major Tony Awards, Best Musical, Best Book of a Musical, Best Original Score, and Best Actor in a Musical. So... Um, the uh as you can imagine uh, one of the creators was on hand for a talk back after this production at the york and they were all kind of uh devastated <laughs> by the failure especially in view, in view of the very positive response um and they all basically uh, i guess uh, put it down to a lack of money uh they didn't have any money in reserve to you know to keep the show going uh until the reviews the effect of the reviews came in and people started to suppose you know hopefully come to the show but i think it's you know uh, i think that maybe they're a, a little bit delusional about that first of all the the subject matter 
which is the My Lai massacre in Vietnam in 1968, um, uh, with Lieutenant uh, Cali as the as the primary agent of that, uh, is so dark. I mean, I, I I think it would be impossible to think of a darker musical than this one, and. Um, and even I would say, uh, usually even in the darkest musicals, there's some w- way to find moments of humor in in them, uh, and the and the writers exploit that. But this one, I, I would say, none at all, basically. Um, so that was that would have been a huge strike against the show anyway, and and maybe it wouldn't have. Um, had a run even if they had been able to keep it open a little longer uh, i i don't know if audiences would necessarily have started to come to the point that it are, is necessary to keep a broadway show open i mean perhaps it, if if it had been off broadway it might have been something else anyway um aside from all that i um my own opinion is that it's really just not very good uh i found the music uh to be superior to the lyrics uh I, I thought the music was was very um, compelling, in a in a very very much Jesus Christ superstar way. Um, there were many parts of it, uh, not the actual melodies, but just the style of the music, uh, and uh, the construction of the show that really very much reminded me of Jesus Christ Superstar. It is a through sung musical as well, um, but the lyrics. Um, I, I I just unfortunately have to say I found a lot of them prosaic and just really not very good. Uh, and, you know, a through sung musical with lyrics that are really not very good is is obviously going to be hampered by that a lot. So mm-hmm. uh, so anyway, that's my take on it. I, I'm not sure. Uh, the audience seemed to really, really like it uh, based on the, the comments in the talk back and just the, the response um, during the show. But I, I've read at least one other um, negative review of this presentation, so I guess I'm not alone in that. Um, that said, um, the cast was quite excellent, uh, beginning with the central figure who is actually only called the lieutenant. He's not uh, actually called Callie. Um, I I think... I think the name might have been mentioned once or twice in the show, but it's, but that's not what the character's name is. And he was played, uh, acted and sung spectacularly by Anthony Festa. And the rest of the cast were Chris Cardozo, Hannah Culbreth, Dan Dominich, William Thomas Evans, Travis Kent, Cal Mitchell, Noah Christopher Rubeck, Alyssa Maria uh, excuse me, Alyssa Marie Watkins and A.D. Weaver, um, all directed by Bill Castellino with music direction by Eric Svechkar. <laughs> I hope I'm saying that right. S-V-E-J-C-A-R. Um, so, uh, but aside from all of my reservations, uh, this is exactly the kind of the thing, the thing that the musicals in Mufti should be doing. Um, you know, in, in taking something that is quite obscure and putting it back before the public like this so they can make their own decisions. So mm-hmm. I, I, I really commend them for that. And, and, um, and everything negative I said, uh, you know, should be taken in that context that I, I'm not, I'm not suggesting they shouldn't have done it. I, I think it's really, really great that they did it. 
All right. So that's the lieutenant in the Musicals and Mufti series at the York Theatre Company. It is playing through this afternoon, September 17th, but you have uh, two more uh, shows in the Mufti series that is coming. We have Golden Rainbow, September 23rd to October 1st, and a new musical called When We Get There from October 7th to the 15th. So I'll have a link to the uh, York Theater Company's uh, Musicals and Muftis uh, website in the show notes. So you can check it out and get over there and see it for yourself. If you'd like. So, Robbie, uh, you seem to have taken to this uh, musical called End Juliet, <laughs> where, I sure uh, have. Uh, where recently you had your seventh viewing of it. Was that the seventh viewing on Broadway or did I feel like you saw it in London as well? I saw it in London first uh, when my friend Kiela Settle was playing the nurse over there. Oh, Kiela um, from uh, The Greatest Showman. Yeah, she's the one. Um, she did many workshops of the show, so she wanted to see it through. And that's how she ended up replacing Melanie Barry over there when Melanie left the show. Um, but yeah, I returned this past week, and I'm thrilled to tell you that it's it remains in excellent shape. Uh, they recently changed Shakespeare's. Uh, from Stark Sands to Austin Scott, who is uh, wonderful, wonderful in the show. And um, the cast is still uh, the ensemble, everybody. It's really in uh, excellent, excellent shape. Um, I'm not somebody who loves a uh, heavy air quotes jukebox musical. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And I I feel like I'm not necessarily in the minority opinion. Um, Although I guess the grosses of a beautiful noise would tell me differently. Um, (laughs) however, uh, I just, I think this is the jukebox musical that's done absolutely correctly. Um, the, the plot is strong enough. It's witty. Uh, it's actually very funny, I think. Um, and one of the times I saw it, I know I went with as a, a guest of Michael's, uh, and we had a great time. It's, uh, it's really a blast and I'm thrilled that it's, uh, doing so well. Um, and it was that it was created so well and is holding up so well because, you know, as other jukebox jukebox musicals this season will tell you, that's not always the case. So the, the care uh, and um, affection for this material is, uh, is very strong. And my response to all of that is ditto. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's a blast from start to finish and you know i saw it on a thursday um and they were still giving like a full the, the full uh, you know week weekend friday night performance it, it's just so strong and again um the new shakespeare austin scott excellent excellent get over to the stevens onheim theater um and see it for yourself it is a blast and I would say really try to get there while Betsy Wolf is still mm-hmm. there. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. She is just brilliant. Mm-hmm. That is, uh, you know, I, I was telling uh, everybody before we started recording that And Juliet is my go-to recommendation for folks who uh, say, oh, I'm coming to New York and I want to see a fun show. And I'm like, And Juliet. You know, mm-hmm. I don't even have to. Th- I don't even have to think about it. Certainly, there's lots and lots of great shows to recommend, but *And Juliet* is just 
is a great ton of fun and as well as uh um you know uh for folks who are not coming to broadway all the time this is a great way to introduce them to how much fun broadway could be a hundred percent i definitely there was a, a family in the row in front of me with two um i'm gonna say i don't know nine-year-old uh girls who were just having the best time this is clearly the first probably show they've ever seen and they were just eating it up i also want to say i'm not a repeat offender like i don't go to shows more than once too often um so the fact that this is my seventh time says uh, a great deal about how the show is constructed i've seen Mm. it twice uh, a mere twice compared to robbie seven uh (laughs) But one, the other time I brought my sister, and she's not a Broadway neophyte. She she goes semi-regularly, but she's not hardcore like all of us, and she absolutely loved it. And the thing is about it is that it's um it's got all those pop songs uh for for the for the people who are not so much into Broadway. Uh but then it's got this really, really witty and funny book is Robbie said, um, for the Broadway people, and even with some Shakespeare references that, uh, you know, people are going to respond to if, if they know about Shakespeare. Uh, so, uh, so it's, it's got something for everyone. Uh, I, I really think that's fair to say. Yeah. So, uh, we will have a link to and Juliet, uh, in the show notes. Uh, you should check it out for yourself. There's tons of great videos in there to get a feel for what you'll be seeing. If you're, you know, a lot of people are like, Oh, I don't want to see another Romeo and Juliet take. This is, uh, <laughs> this is really original. Yes. It, it's just. It's just done so well. So it's about as original. It's about as original as a jukebox musical can be. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. All right. So uh, next up, Michael, you uh, was it Carnegie Hall for New York Philharmonic? Where was? Oh no, no, David Geffen Hall. It was Mm -hmm. the David Geffen Hall for New York Philharmonic's West Side Story and Concert. Uh, So tell us, they uh, well, you explain to us what was the setting. Well, it was the New York Philharmonic conducted by David Newman uh, in this instance, playing along with the Steven Spielberg version <laughs> of West Side mm. Story. As as I've reported in the past, I uh, have seen them previously twice uh, play along with the original 1961 film version. Uh, and the first time I saw that... Uh, they had several members of the cast and creative team of that movie there, which was beyond incredible. I mean, I took a photo of George Chakiris and Russ Tamlin together and mm. Marty Nixon was there and it was beyond amazing. That was, that was especially incredible because in that case, um, the separate sound elements of the film no longer existed separately. So they had to digitally remove the orchestra. <laughs> while uh, keeping the voices uh and have the philharmonic play along with that i don't know how they did it i i still don't know robbie knows more about recording technology than i do but uh <laughs> I, I i just don't i just don't know how they did it uh but now um you know presumably for the this new film they probably have the separate elements 
because uh, the film is only what four 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 years old, less than four yeah. years old. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so uh, so this was really a state of the art presentation with um, the the huge New York Philharmonic um, playing along with that film, which I have mixed feelings about, but mostly positive. I would say uh, seeing it again, I think maybe the things, the problems with it bothered me more, uh, but still, uh, I think it's, it was very worthy effort. I, I know Peter adored it. And I think he even maybe said that he likes it better than the original, uh, but don't quote me because I'm not sure about that. Mm. Uh, um, <laughs> anyway, uh, it was a, it was a very exciting night. Uh, and um, there's, there's no, way to describe the thrill of hearing a an 80 piece orchestra playing playing live uh, those those that bernstein music bernstein sondheim music uh in those phenomenal orchestrations uh mm-hmm. just just really transporting um and the uh they put an uh, an intermission in because they need a break you know the musicians need a break um so they actually where they put it in was this the uh, after the one hand one heart scene in the cloisters mm-hmm. uh so the last line of the of the first part was uh maria you know begging tony to to uh to stop the fight and he says uh he says all right there there won't there won't be a fight and that was that was the intermission, uh, which was a, a great place for it. I think um, really, really fantastic uh, evening, just amazing. So that was at the Wu Sai Theater at David <laughs> Geffen Hall. <laughs> I didn't know there was a Wu Sai Theater. Uh, Everything so is named now. Yeah. The, the, yes. <laughs> the hand railings, the aisles, the the steps. <laughs> there's there's a staircase at Lincoln Center that's named after someone. Yeah, a little Is staircase it? that goes up to the plaza from 65th Street. Not the big one, the little one, but the big one may have a name as well. <laughs> There's a bathroom in Starbucks on 47th named after me. Because <laughs> yeah. so, you use uh, it so much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's like my office. You know, <laughs> it's my Midtown office. So, <laughs> so that's the New York Philharmonic's West Side Story and Concert at the Wu Sai Theater at David Geffen Hall at Lincoln Center. Uh, and they have another performance this evening, uh, September 17th. So if you are local and you have listened to this, you might be able to get over to it and check it out. Uh, Robbie, you saw The Shark is Broken uh, on Broadway. So uh, tell us what you thought about this uh, play. I did see The Shark is Broken on Broadway. Um, for me, I didn't love the play uh and it made me think of um uh, acting uh, when you do scene study classes mm-hmm. and this is definitely uh, a show that where you're going to see it broken up into uh into scene study um <laughs> because it's uh, there's there's not much of a play there but there's definitely it's a it's a character study more than anything um, it put me in mind of when I saw the Frankie and Johnny revival and realized that I had never seen all of those scenes together in the in sequential order before. Uh, for the same reason, <laughs> um, I it, three very good actors. Um, one exceptional actor, Alex Brightman, is uh, doing excellent work as um, 
Richard Dreyfuss. He's not Roy, yes, I was like, not Roy <laughs> Schneider, Richard Dreyfuss. Uh, he's doing excellent work, and I hope that he's remembered at Tony time. Um, and I know that uh, Ian Shaw wrote it um, based on his uh, father's journals of that time, but I just, I wish there was more to it. Um, and I do wonder if I would like it more in a smaller house if uh, if it were at the Pels or at uh, the Atlantic Theater Company downtown um, where we were more, where we were closer to mm-hmm. what is happening because it's so small and cramped, but on a big Broadway stage and uh, with those really really not great projections um it's it's unfortunate um and the show (laughs) ends with a shooting star which uh is very eye roll worthy but uh again the three actors are doing yeoman's work um uh, and and some very heavy lifting uh of unfortunately what is a very slight play all right, so that is the shark is broken at fifty four below, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> at the John Golden Theater, actually. Yeah. Um, but the uh, <laughs> Maybe Brightman have been at fifty four below. Yeah, <laughs> that would yeah, have closer been. to the audience. Uh-huh. You know? have we ever had sharks at fifty four below? You know, uh, well, sharks probably. in the jets. Yeah, definitely. Fifty four sinks. West Side Story has happened. Fifty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, Bright Monster, you know, I, I, it's it it's always a tough thing to remember somebody so far away when you know mm-hmm. when May and June rolls around and the nominations are in April and uh, it it's always so hard to to pull back from the, from the fall performances and say, Oh yeah, that's right. But it is very interesting to me that they haven't announced who's playing uh, the role he played in Spamla in DC yet. Oh, that's Mm. correct. Isn't it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So I, I was alluding to maybe Alex might be nominated for something else that maybe, Unclear. <laughs> yeah, you know so, when when, we, when it was first announced that that Spamalot was coming to Broadway because I did see it in DC, mm-hmm. and uh, and it was mentioned that Alex would not be able to do it because of the shark is broken. But I said, well, you know, who knows? Um, I mean, first of all, it could close, uh, mm-hmm. and if it doesn't, uh, maybe he could take a, uh, you know, he could just leave early. Um, well, so. Shark is Broken is scheduled to close November 19th. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's and what's see. the opening date of Spamalot? Let's see what Spamalot opening is. Uh, Spamalot starts with a T, right? Yes. Yep, sure does. <laughs> uh, <laughs> November 16th is uh, first preview is October 31st. Yeah. So it might be, I well, think he anyway. could do it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see. I right. think he could do it. But the fact that, that, that the role, the casting of that role hasn't been announced is telling mm-hmm. or it could be telling. <laughs> could be. Yes. yes. Yeah. I have no inside knowledge. I'm just finding right. that interesting. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. So, uh, 
Uh, Robbie, have you worked with Alex before? Uh, did you do he, Beetlejuice? We did not. That was on uh, Ghostlight Records. Um, oh. But he's on several uh, Broadway Records albums, including Drew Gasparini's uh, songwriter oh, album. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Okay. So from the very talented Alex Brightman at all from the shark is broken over to 54 below where Michael saw two amazing performers in two different shows. Uh, first let's start off with Santino Fontana and then uh, Christine Andreas. So Michael, tell us about these wonderful performers. Well, Santino uh, was at 54 on September 10th, uh, 12th, 13th and 14th. Um, so Four shows, and um, I'm gratified to say it was packed uh, the night I went. Uh, I think he, you know, has very, very, very deservedly developed a following um, from so many things, and he he really keeps working, which I think is absolutely fantastic. Uh, he does so much. I, I don't even get to see everything. I didn't get to see nine uh, when he did when he headlined that concert presentation for the transport group, wasn't it? Um, yeah. and now he's got coming up, he's got, I can get it for you wholesale. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in fact, his, uh, his guest on the night that I saw him at 54 below was Julia Lester, who's going to play, uh, Miss Marmalstein in that production off Broadway. And she also, you may know her as, um, she was, <laughs> she was little red in, uh, the recent into the woods. Um, so that was a lot of fun. Uh, Santino for this performance, he took um, a cue from Patti Lapone, although I'm not sure she was the first one to ever do it. Uh, the songs were chosen by the audience, picking uh, numbers out of a hat. Mm. Uh, and mm. uh, and so he didn't sing. I mean, there's like 35 songs listed on the song list. He didn't sing all of them, but he sang mm-hmm. the ones that were chosen. Um, some of the highlights were Anyone Can Whistle. Everybody says don't. How to handle a woman? Uh, Joey, Joey, Joey from, um, from oh, the most, most happy, happy fellow. fellow. One of my absolute, absolute, absolute favorites. Um, and uh, he, uh, Ted Chapin was there. So, so Santino sang from. Unfortunately, somebody chose uh, from Cinderella. Rogers and Hammerstein Cinderella, which was another one of his Broadway credits, and. Um, then the most amazing thing happened, which is like this was such a gift to a performer and something you cannot predict uh, that's going to happen in a live performance. He sang um, a song called Making Love Alone. Do you guys know that song? Yes. All right. No. Which now correct me if 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 I'm wrong. Uh, apparently it was a, a song the written uh, by Marilyn Miller and Cheryl Hardwick for Bernadette Peters to sing on Saturday Night Live. Mm-hmm. Correct? Is that right? That is correct, yeah. yes. Yeah. And it's uh, it's about what you might think it's about. <laughs> yep. um, it's about self-love, uh, you know, <laughs> other words for it, um, uh-huh. you know, <laughs> masturbation. Uh, mm-hmm. Anyway, um, so he introduced the song and he started to – explain what it was about and and as santino was doing that a guy sitting right at the front of uh ringside at 54 below got up and went to the bathroom 
<laughs> so Santino did a whole thing on that, like saying, like basically, well, have a good time, you know. <laughs> and so uh then the guy fortunately went with it and he like sort of gave a thumbs up as he was headed into the room. <laughs> And then Santino sang the song, which is all about what I just said it was about. And and then the guy came back during it, I guess, uh, and and sat down. And uh, that happened to be the almost the last number in the show. So it was time for Santino to give his uh, thank yous and say goodbye. And so he said, um, "Thank you for coming." <laughs> and. I, and I honestly think he didn't realize what he said until he said it and people started to laugh. And then he he got all red uh, and started to blush and laugh. And it was just uh, one brilliant moment that cannot be planned. So I was glad I was there on that particular night at that particular moment. <laughs> but aside from that, it was um, a really great show. He's so versatile. Um, he... Uh, is um like someone else we're going to mention later um uh he is i I guess you would almost call him a character actor but with a a leading man's voice really really Mm -hmm. beautiful voice um and he's so funny so so funny in his patter also and so witty and so quick so it was really one of the most enjoyable evenings i've i've had um and then uh couple of nights later uh just last night in fact i went to see christine andreas in her paris to broadway show at 54 below um which uh included some material from her edith piaf show uh that has been so successful there and elsewhere uh but then a lot of other beautiful stuff she sang uh be- you all know the song beyond the sea uh mm-hmm. the one that Bobby Darren made famous, which is originally a French song um, in French. So she sang both versions of it. Um, the last time I saw Paris, uh, Autumn Leaves, uh, et cetera, et cetera. She sang Dites Moi <laughs> from South Pacific. And she had Charles Kirsch um, join her for that as a little duet. And uh, Charles sang it, um, part of it in French, but also the english lyrics which i i have burned into my brain because i think i learned them at like age six uh when we learned it in grammar school um (laughs) uh we learned the song i don't think that they thought we could maybe handle french then so they taught it to us in english um so that was that was amazing to hear that again uh (laughs) after all those years um it was a really beautiful show and then uh you know I, i didn't mention to uh James, when we start before we started recording, I did see another cabaret show uh, this weekend. It was Josie de Guzman uh, oh. at, at yes at the Green Room Forty Two, and that was amazing uh, because we don't see Josie much anymore. She's been in Texas, uh, living in Texas for years um, because her uh, her partner is the um, uh, the head honcho at the Alley Theater, and. Uh, so but she um uh, apparently she also has a place in jersey uh i think maybe she said hoboken somewhere really close um so i think we're we're gonna be seeing her more and she um i mean her major credits include the the first broadway revival of west side story uh, in which she played maria 
and of course guys and dolls the the, the amazing 1992 revival with nathan lane and faith prince and peter gallagher at all in which she played sarah brown um but she also was in nick and nora and so she had a lot of uh, she got a lot of mileage of telling stories about Nick and Nora and mm-hmm. being fired from that by Arthur Lawrence. <laughs> um, that was incredible. Um, oh, and, and here's an interesting thing. She did sing I Feel Pretty, uh, and she recounted that bit about how Sondheim eventually became embarrassed by the lyrics because Sheldon Harnick had said to him, well, I don't think a Puerto Rican girl from the streets would, would sing rhymes like that. And, uh, but Josie said, what I feel, she said, well, no, Maria is, she's making fun of, um, you know, sophisticated rich people. Um, and so I think it works beautifully and I'm glad they, they retained it for the, the Steven Spielberg remake, uh, whereas it was cut from the most recent very mm-hmm. deplorable Broadway revival. Um, so Josie sang that and she, she still loves the song and she made a case for it. She said, I think Sondheim was a better lyricist than he thought he was. <laughs> so I would, I wouldn't, I wouldn't quite phrase it that way, but I knew what she meant. I, 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 I do think that both he and Sheldon Harnick were wrong about, I feel pretty, um, you know, so God forgive me, but I, I do. That's how I feel. Um, so it was really great to see her back on stage again. She's very, very charming, and her voice is still in magnificent condition, which is very notable because she is a soprano, and as many people have noted, they tend to go first uh, in terms of vocally just because of physiognomy and, and uh, women's voices and what happens as women age and blah, blah, blah. But no, she's still got it. She's still got it completely. So that was a great night as well. I had three really great cabaret nights this week so tangentially to this you said something that prompted a thought in my head Mm. was that sheldon harnick sheldon harnick as we talked about a few times over the last couple of months passed away june 23rd uh, of this year 2023 yes we have not dimmed the lights on broadway for him you know, you're right. And mm-hmm. I went and somebody said this to me and I was like, no, you're totally wrong about that. Can't be. Can't be. I went back and checked. We have not received any information from the esteemed Broadway League and Charlotte St. Martin about dimming the lights for Sheldon Harnick. Yeah. How and, can that be? And not only that, but I haven't read any one even mention it as you just did. Uh in the past, when there has been question about that, there's been all this uh, people immediately running to social media and saying, when are they going to dim the lights for blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. I, I guess it's because Sheldon was, he was so unassuming, you know, he wasn't the kind to um, I have call to imagine that to they're going to, they're going to do it this fall. And I, it's just waiting for yeah. the season to start. But like, as you mentioned, nobody seems to be talking about it. Yeah, so you think maybe they they thought well rather than do it in the summer. Uh, yeah, why do it over the summer? Let's you know. Has there uh, been it, talk of a memorial yet? Uh, I haven't seen anything. Let me see know. if I have anything in the know. database about yeah. uh, any sort of. Um, 
I haven't heard anything as of yet, but I do wonder if maybe that's the day they'll do it. Yeah, no. So Jamie DeRoy did a tribute. Oh, good for her. I don't. <laughs> yeah, Jamie DeRoy did a tribute for that. Uh, nothing. Wow. Nothing about. It has to be in the works, right? It has to be. I hope so. Wrote, yeah, the man wrote Fiddler on the Roof, for God's sakes. Of course, <laughs> he should have the lights dimmed. It's played if in every theater in the world. For, if only for that. <laughs> right. right. I mean, on one hand, no, it's from Fiddler. You know, on one hand. <laughs> you know, on a related note, I, I, I mentioned I had wanted to do um, uh, The Umbrellas of Cherbourg. Mm. Uh, which Sheldon wrote um, a beautiful um, English adaptation uh, that that was at the public theater decades ago, and and that just went nowhere. Uh, but some people who saw it just really swear by it. And I had actually made some attempt to try to do it in concert at Fifty Four Below, but I I couldn't get it together. And I had this was several years ago, and I had so wanted to do it while you know while Sheldon was still with us, um, but maybe. Maybe I'll, I or someone else will revisit that. I hope we get to see that again sometime. Mm. Yeah, I'm so glad that you had mentioned Sheldon's name because we, yeah, yeah, uh, because I wanted to bring that up and I totally had forgotten about it. But it, uh, you know, certainly, I, I hope that it's just in the works and we haven't heard about it. Yeah, I hope so too. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah, uh, Michael, you brought up that song "Making Love Alone," and I wanted to say <laughs> that there is a recording of it that is very hard to find because Bernadette recorded it, uh, and it was on the first pressing of Sondheim, etc. But um, apparently, they didn't have the rights to record the song and wow. had to pull the CD uh, from in '96, and so there was a second pressing and. Uh, with one missing track. So if you're lucky enough to have that first pressing, you own one of the few copies of making love alone. See, this is the kind of information we come to you for Robbie. (laughs) (laughs) This is why we text him. I don't, I don't even email Robbie. I just text Robbie and I'm just text. (laughs) I'm just text. And so uh, Rob Johnson brings up uh, maybe Sheldon, the dimming of light should be, you know, before sunrise and after sunset. Mm. <laughs> yeah, at twilight so, time. Yeah, and I mean, you know, over the summer, it's it's been pretty light. Uh, although, you know, somebody th- last week in the last seven days, somebody threw the switch, and all of a sudden, it's fall. Woke up this morning to fifty degrees. I was like, "Ooh, it's chilly." Oh, was it really? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So you know, I don't live in those huge skyscrapers like you, Michael. Right. <laughs> You know, <laughs> so. all right. So next up, uh, Robbie, you got over to the Broadway theater where you saw uh, Here Lies Love. Um, yes. First of all, what we've been asking people is, uh, did you see Here Lies Love downtown, you know, a generation ago back when you were 12? Uh, I did not see it a generation ago. So uh, seeing it at the Broadway theater was the my first experience with it in any form and were you on the floor or were you sitting that is a great question because i saw it twice because i wanted to see it from different angles Mm. so Ah. i saw it 
I saw it in the rush tickets from the galley, which are on the sides, seated uh, above and looking down. And then I saw it on the dance floor. So tell us about what you think. <clears throat> I, I I like it very much. It's uh, it's definitely a pageant, uh, less than a musical, um, uh, much in the way Evita is a pageant or, you know, any sort of biomusical is sort of uh, high point production number high point production number high you know what i mean mm -hmm. um and it's it is fascinating uh excellent uh, i think the staging is excellent uh both times i saw it i didn't miss anything because a lot of stuff happens you know up in the mezzanine and places like that but it is projected onto the sides of the theater to, uh, as news clips etc so you see everything the cast is fantastic ariel jacobs conrad ricamora jose uh lana and i saw leia salonga um in her sort of cameo um mm. it is a fascinating musical uh that i am still thinking about you know sometimes you see a show it happens and okay next show right um but this is one that i i i just keep thinking about i hope they do a new album of it with this uh with the new cast because ariel jacobs is sensational um it is uh, it's it's really also a wonderful technical feat the way what they've how they've gutted the broadway theater um or stripped it down i guess to its <laughs> to its bones um to create this atmosphere. Uh, there is a moment in the show where the musically, the show changes because uh, it had all been sort of track heavy. And speaking of which, I don't know that I know, no musicians are listed in the playbill as of yet, um, but I do know they resolved that with the union. So I wonder how that's working. Um, but uh, about, uh, two songs before the end, uh, the whole show changes musically. Um, and it's very much the, the correct uh, writing decision uh, for what is happening in at that moment in the play. Um, it's a really, really sensational score, I think. This could be completely incorrect, but I recently read somewhere that... Um the live musicians are only used for the final portion of the show. Had so any... go on. Having seen it that like a, a bunch of the cast um, plays drums at the end, there's like a drum line um, and there's right. uh, the DJ who plays guitar um, at the end. But I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know unless they've all joined 802 as actor mm. musicians, uh, I I don't know. Well, it's funny. I mean, we read that it was resolved, but I don't think we read any details other than that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. um, but uh, maybe that's true. That uh, that I mean, I don't think those are the only live musicians in the show. Uh, do you? But regardless, uh, I wonder if that is true. That 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 most of it is on tracks. And then it's only towards the end where you said that the music changes. Maybe that's where uh, the live musicians start playing from offstage somewhere in addition to the 
drummers that you just mentioned? I'm looking at the playbill now, and they list uh, a guitar and a bass player. Both are actors. And then they list uh, one, two, three, four, five drummers. And I'm 90% sure, I just have to go to a different page, that they're all in the cast. Wow. Yeah. That Mm -hmm. is interesting. I guess they've really kept that quiet. Yeah. Hmm. So, uh, but I'd imagine that if AFM and 802 was not happy, we, we'd be hearing about it. Mm-hmm. Right. So and, they, yes. Yeah, so they, they, they did agree to it, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and, and uh, uh, from a flip side, what was the deal with Chicago and the onstage uh, orchestra? And did, didn't they? I didn't recall there being a problem with Chicago, but there have been many no. other shows where. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, but I'm I'm saying from the other direction when didn't Equity ask the when the musicians to join Equity because they were on stage. Yeah, we, huh. well, they were interacting. Back, I mean, Chicago's forever ago. Yeah, uh, I don't but, have any memory of that because they they are musicians. What happens who, with what happens with six? Oh. Or a John Doyle show, or you know, at the That's time, no. at the time it it was detailed. Um, I I think maybe they they did have to join with John Doyle shows. They do have to be in eight hundred two. Um, uh, I worked as uh, Tommy Kresker's assistant for a long time, and he did a lot of those cast albums, and yeah. you know they all had to be paid uh equity wages and 802 wages uh as musicians on the album as well yeah so i mean uh, this is not you know we've had these complications before but it seems like nobody's complaining it seems Mm -hmm. i haven't heard i mean usually you know when the smallest thing happens i get tons of email from Uh, people right just saying oh you have to talk about this you have to talk about that and i'm like well see how it plays out i mean um, but it seems like it has all worked out. So I guess everybody's happy. Well, know. I'm just speculating, but maybe what happened is that that uh that they just made that concession that if if those people could join the union, that that would solve yeah. this issue. And maybe, but maybe local eight hundred two is not actually that happy that with that, but they don't want to broadcast it because it might look like they caved Mm. Uh, i mean that's complete total speculation yeah all right so that's uh here lies love at the broadway theater robbie has seen it twice not as many times as and juliet but you know on its way uh (laughs) as i said i don't often check the grosses but i'm but i've heard many reports that it's just really not doing well which i i'm sorry to hear because i also really enjoyed it Oh, um, here lies love. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. Uh, playing in the eighties, eighty percent with the grosses sitting in between the sevens and the eight hundred thousands, which certainly is not good for a musical. And these especially days. that one with all the you know money they had to put in to, in terms of uh, reconfiguring the theater and they had uh, to take the helicopter out of that theater. Yeah. <laughs> and the big ape. The big ape was back there too. Oh right. Oh yeah. 
big ape was there. So, yeah. So uh, we'll have to see what happens. But um, it's it's interesting because the word of mouth is pretty good on this. But uh, I don't know if, uh, uh, you know, I don't know what's, I, I guess the word of mouth is good, but I've not really seen tons of marketing on it. And maybe it's just that it's out of my out of my sphere. Maybe they're marketing to somebody who's not me. I don't know. Maybe. It's certainly possible, yeah. Maybe your algorithm isn't. Yeah, that's what I'm that that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I mostly get things about airplanes and fire trucks. So. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that says about me, but there it is. <laughs> so <laughs> all right. So Michael, we don't often talk about brunch options here, but when you have a Broadway brunch, let's talk about it. Well, this is an event that John Zendarsik, uh, my friend who teaches at both AMDA and Marymount. Um, I'm not sure if he does it once a month, but he does it regularly at Vice Versa, which is a really nice restaurant on West 51st Street. And he um, showcases present and former students from those places. uh, And it's really fun. Um, One of the best things about it to me is that uh these young people sing really from the entirety of the musical theater canon uh from the most recent scores to some of the most classic ones uh some of the songs uh in this edition where i i'm not at all in love uh on the street where you live kansas city from oklahoma um but then also laura laura from high fidelity um uh this fellow Marco Dumancic sang a, a, a kind of obscure <laughs> item. Uh I can't be in love from Goldilocks. Oh. Um and this really spectacular woman named Melanie Puene Ervin sang One Night Only from Dream Girls in in just a I would almost say a definitive <laughs> uh rendition it was so beautiful um and the only negative there was uh, this is one of those situations where so many shows i go to recently people in the audience feel they have to literally whoop and scream at the top of their lungs mm. uh, to show their appreciation and sometimes in the middle of a song which happened here uh i mean i don't know if that's supposed to be considered okay for dream girls because of the kind of music that it is uh power ballady kind of stuff i don't know but um the the performance was magnificent the audience reaction was kind of annoying um uh this um fellow who sang laura laura from high fidelity uh really 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 talented young man named carter santos and um i went up to him afterwards and i said you did a beautiful job but also thank you for singing that because i really love that song and that show high fidelity uh as i as i said many times i i thought it was a great show and the only thing wrong with it i think is was um it was tough to market it because it's about people who work in a in a record shop um and it's about uh it's about but it's it doesn't have any of the music uh you know that they that they keep referring to <laughs> the hmm. records they they keep referring to was an mm-hmm. entirely new scar 
uh, by Amanda Green and Help Me Out. Who? Tom Kitt. Uh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Really, uh, but a really, really good score, and and that song in particular, if you know it. So I, I I complimented Carter on his performance, and also his choice. And then the next day, I was walking down Forty Second Street, and I saw Will Chase on his phone. Oh. Uh, <laughs> so he was in the middle of a conversation, but I I I, I just kind of motioned to him. I said, "Can I?" talk to you for one minute <laughs> and he said uh sure and he put his friend on hold and i had just told him that story uh and he said oh he, he got a big smile on his face he said oh i love that song and i love that show <laughs> so thank you for telling me that that story because he was the one who sang it on broadway sure yeah um, <laughs> so that was just a little new york moment that i that i was really happy about and uh um yeah uh check out uh one of the future broadway brunches um, if you can, because it's a really nice restaurant uh, anyway, and to have all these talented young people singing all these these very diverse, uh, you know, styles of Broadway music um, is is just a lot of a lot of fun. And where is it again? It's, uh, uh, it's let's talk like, about Vice Versus on three twenty five West fifty first. Yeah, hmm. uh, I have a link to that in the show notes, uh, Matt and. Uh, Matt and Grace were talking in a special uh, Patreon-only episode this week, uh, a listener mailbag episode. Uh, listeners were asking about different places to check out in the theater district, and they didn't mention vice versa. So I have to add this to our uh, for our listeners uh, to check out vice versa, 325 West 51st. And I have a link to that back to their webpage uh, for menu options and contact information if you want to go uh, check them out when you're seeing something in the theater district. Yes. So uh, we've not done a lot of this recently, but Robbie, we don't have you on. We haven't had you on uh, uh, previously, which was totally my fault. But we can't ha- not have we can't have you on and not talk about cast albums and. We have the London Guys and Dolls cast album coming. So why don't you uh, talk about it a little bit? Sure. Uh, I'm not going to review it because I mm-hmm. worked on it, um, but it is coming. This is actually, it hasn't been announced yet. So listeners of this are, will be the first ones to hear about it, uh, but it's being released digitally on September 29th and then coming out physically uh, a month later, October 27th. Um, it is the Nicholas Hitner. Hitner is that how you say it? Heitner. 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 Uh, production of Guys and Dolls that is playing at the Bridge Theater in London. Um, that stars Daniel Mays, Cedric Neal, Andrew Richardson, uh, Celine Schoenemaker, and Marisha Wallace. Uh, Marisha is, I think, the most known person in the cast, at least to American audiences. Um, uh, she, she replaced Amber Riley in Guys and Dolls over there, uh, or in Guys and Dolls, in Dreamgirls over there, uh, as Effie (laughs) and, um, is a sensational, uh, singer. So, um, the album was recorded at the theater, but not recorded live, which is a trend of a lot of, um, uh, London cast albums. They, um, created a recording studio within the theater. Uh, to record it over a number of uh, uh, days while, while the show wasn't playing. So um, 
Uh, it's it, go ahead. Oh, and and this production, uh, from what I've read, is is largely famous uh, for it. It's is it being billed as environmental? Yeah, it, it's, it's another. It sounds similar to Here Lies Love in that respect. Is that correct? Yeah, it is completely in the round, um, and uh, there are floor seats that you can stand at, and much, much the way uh, Here Lies Love, uh, you are directed um, because, uh, you know, stage pieces come up, etc. cetera. Uh, but yeah, it is uh, immersive, environmental, the, they're they're calling it all sorts of things. Um, the the show and album feature new orchestrations by Charlie Rosen, um, and the album is produced by Michael Moritz, uh, who mixed my album. Charlie Rosen and uh, Tom Brady, not the quarterback. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> sure. Um, and the the digital version of it has uh, seven. Um, extra tracks that for time were not able to be put onto the physical CD. All right. Speaking about not being able to be put on the physical CD because they're running out of time. We are running out of time here this morning, but I wanted to mention a few things before we get onto our trivia and a musical moment is first of all, Olivia Rodrigo is not a Broadway person, but should be a Broadway person. She's got a new album out. And she was in High School Musical, the musical um, for Disney, and Mm -hmm. her new album is out, and it's really good, and lots of Broadway people are talking about her, so keep her on the radar. Uh, We have a new musical called Ride that's premiering at the Old Globe. We have uh, Water for Elephants coming to Broadway uh, in February. Mm -hmm. We have Devil Wears Prada to play London in 2024. Robbie, go check that out for us and come back and give us a report. Ah. We we have uh, this woman named Kelly O'Hara. I don't. I've never heard of her before. Oh, yeah. And Brian Darcy James bringing Days of Wine and Roses to Broadway uh, this spring. Uh, and uh, another interestingly, version. bringing it to Studio Fifty Four, but Studio Fifty Four, but not as a roundabout theater company production. A rental, yeah, a rental yeah. to Fifty Four. Um. And uh, another version of Vanya coming to Broadway. These are stories that were on today on Broadway all this week. So if these are something that's interesting to you, please get over and uh, listen to our Today on Broadway podcast, Monday through Friday, about 20 minutes with uh, Matt and Grace and lots of other things happening in our Patreon feed. And we've had lots and lots of people, new subscribers and upgrades in the last couple of weeks. And that really, it, it, it really does a heart good to see the support we're getting from our Patreon community. So, uh, as I promised before, Peter is away and I didn't do the trivia, but uh rob johnston are you ready to come on and give us a question uh i sure do uh as you had said before uh cheryl had come up with the idea to borrow one of peter's questions from his new book uh brain teasers for broadway geniuses available wherever fine books are available Hmm. uh and uh as much as i like the brain teasers my brain works more towards the trivia than brain teasers. So I went with 
uh, a question that's kind of a blend of a bit of both. Uh, I won't say exactly where it is because I don't want it to be too easy for people to just look it up. <laughs> uh, there's a very famous character from a 19th century Italian novel that became best known through a Walt Disney animated film. The character's famous song in the movie could also actually be sung by someone who owns an original Broadway or London cast album that boasts a 1960s Tony winning score. Who's the character? What's their famous song? And how does it apply to the Tony winning score? All right. Thanks, Rob. So if you have an answer for that, email us at trivia at broadwayradio.com and we'll let you know if you're on the right track. I also have to let Peter know that we did this. So he's like, why am I getting these responses to this question? <laughs> Just keep him in the dark, actually. That could be more fun. Exactly. <laughs> so, Michael, with heavy heart, I hand over the podcast to you to talk about today's musical moment. Yeah, it's a tribute to Michael McGraw, um, who died on Thursday at 65, uh, almost 66, but either Unexpectedly. Way, either way, yeah, way too young. Apparently he died in his sleep. Um, really one of the journeyman, yeoman uh, Broadway actors. And he's uh, the person I alluded to earlier when talking about Santino, um, a character guy, but also with a really beautiful voice, a very, very versatile voice. Um, lots of Broadway credits uh, beginning in 1992, well, sometime around there. And my favorite year, uh, The Goodbye Girl, Swinging on a Star, Little Me, Wonderful Town, Spamalot, Is He Dead, Memphis, Born Yesterday, Nice Work If You Can Get It, uh, On the 20th Century, she Loves Me, the front page, Tootsie, and Plaza Suite, most recently Plaza Suite. Um, Tony Award winner for Nice Work If You Can Get It, and Drama Desk Award winner uh, for the same performance. Uh, really, really, uh, aside from his huge uh, versatility and talent, he was uh one of the nicest guys in the business. I think everyone said yeah. that. And in fact, uh, last night I was out with our friend, Kevin McInerney, uh, the press agent. And he, he was, um, he remarked that the coverage uh, of Michael's death was, was really quite extensive uh, in places like variety and the Hollywood reporter and uh, places that don't always give that much space and, and time uh, when, primarily Broadway performers pass uh, because Michael did some, you know, some film and TV, but he was really, really a, a stage creature uh, and so very well known and loved for that. Um, I, uh, before I, I say what our musical moments are, perhaps uh, either or both of you guys might want to weigh in. I definitely loved his work i saw him in many things including the encore's follies where he was um buddy uh he's yes i, I thought i thought he was an exceptional actor um and uh, she loves me is my favorite show of all time so being able to do that cast album was 
very, very special, and he's very special on it. I, yes. I, I didn't know Michael uh, personally, but had a lot of friends in common and have met him in passing through uh, at a number of uh, different events. He was just one of those people that uh, just is the epitome of what Broadway is and what we want it to be. Absolutely. So, Michael, why don't you give us our our music? Well, uh, among his many other accomplishments, Michael created the role of Patsy in, in Spamalot. Uh, mm-hmm. Also played a couple other roles in that because people really double and triple in that show. Um, so, uh, our opening music is Michael uh, with um, with great. Uh, Elan and Wit uh, singing Always Look on the Bright Side of Life mm. from Spamalot, uh, which, you know, uh, I mean, obviously we're, we're focusing on the, uh, on the uh, celebration of his life here. Uh, and then the closer, uh, um, Robbie will be happy to hear, is Perspective mm. from the cast album of the 2016 Broadway revival of She Loves, she Loves Me, in which Michael played Seaposts re- really, really brilliantly. I, I personally think he was one of the best aspects of that production. Mm-hmm. All right. So on behalf of Robbie Rizal and Michael Portantier, this is James Marino saying thanks so much for listening to your Broadway videos this week on Broadway. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Call me fool. That's all right with me. Here's my rule. Never disagree. Where's my pride? Swallowed long ago. Deep inside. Where it doesn't show. Bowing, scraping, nodding, beaming. Always humble. Not an ounce of self-respect. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You're so right, sir. Black is white, sir. Excuse me while I genuflect. How do I remain so calm and cheerful? How do I retain my peace of mind? Let me just explain my rationale. It's all in your perspective. Listen. Listen. To an old Hungarian philosophy I am only one of several in a rather small perfumery Which is only one of several in this city Which is one of many cities in this country Which is only one of many countries which are on this continent which is only one of seven on this not so special planet which is one of several in our solar system which is only one of many solar systems in this vast and inconceivable affair that is the universe so in this infinite incomprehensible scheme if a dot called Marachek should scream at a speck called Sebos what on earth does it matter? So call me fool. That's all right with me. Here's my rule. 
never disagree. Where's my pride? Swallowed long ago, deep inside, where it doesn't show. Just maintain a true perspective, and it's easy to avoid a clash of wills. Just maintain a true perspective, and make sure you're well supplied with stomach pills. Let me put it bluntly, I'm a coward with a wife and children to support. Actually, my creed is short and simple. Five essential words, George. Do not lose your job. Thank <laughs> you.